You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Um, how's everybody doing? Uh, this is Sam Sherman from Southside Sox. I'm joined by several members of um, our lovely White uh, Southside Sox community, um, who all have introduced themselves in a moment. Um, but uh, yeah, real quick, um, I messaged our our Slack channel earlier today. This is um, Monday. Um, what's the date today? The 25th. We are uh, on an off day, a lovely off day, following a White Sox uh, seven-game losing streak. Um, I, I don't even know how much baseball we'll talk about in this. We'll probably, I'm sure, sure we'll get into the, to some specifics. But I, I selfishly wanted to call this this meeting, call this sort of um, sort of quasi therapy session, as I as I referred to it, because I'm just like struggling. Uh, we were talking a little bit before recording, but like I'm, I've reached a point where like in my sports fandom. I've, you know, the base, the White Sox in baseball always has reigned supreme in terms of um, my, my loves in, in sports and all this kind of stuff has been very important to me. And I've had, you know, extreme anger. I've had some extre- extreme joy. Um, but like this season, and especially, you know, I'm sure that the seven, um, you know, what's the, the elephant in the room is, yes, the seven game losing streak is not fun, but like I've experienced those before. But for me personally, like there's just something going on where I've been questioning, like how, how much, especially, I feel like I'm at a crossroads. That's kind of how I keep thinking about it. And it's like, is how worth it is it to continue to put this level of emotional investment into this thing that I love? when it's like so much like just ever, it's just emotional pain. And it's like, I don't know what like the, you know, yes, we talk about as sports fans, there's, it's mostly like, you know, you, you know, you're going to lose a lot, but then you're going to win sometimes and it kind of should outweigh it or at least balance it out. But I'm finding a harder time to, to do that. So I wanted to bring everybody on or everybody that was, that was willing to help me uh, just talk through this. Um, but, uh, uh, why don't y'all in- introduce yourselves for, uh, for the listeners out there? Anyone can start. I'll start. I'm not muted. I'm Crystal O'Keefe. I do way too many things for Southside Sox. 
and a little bit of pitcher list and a little bit of this and that. And baseball has consumed my life. So that's me. Thanks for, thanks for hopping on crystal. I am Tommy Barbie. Um, I don't write as much as I would like to for Southside Sox, but you can occasionally hear and see me on podcasts, although it's been a while. Um, and yes, I'm, I'm ready to join you on this journey of existential crisis and emotional check on our fandom and, and what it's doing to us. Lovely. Thanks, Tommy. <laughs> Uh, my name is Adrian Serrano, and I uh, do some art and some writing at Southside Sox. I am a current ageist um, on Southside Sox. Um, and uh, I'm at that point in my life where I'm just questioning why I put energy into most things. Like, like what's all this, uh, what's music going to do for me? <laughs> what's sports going to do for me? Um, but I keep coming back every every day. Thanks, Adrian. I am Zach Hayes. I do also a lot of things all over the place at Southside Sox. You can find some of my other writing at Baseball Prospectus. And um, yeah, like why are I'm going to be asking myself why are we here? As I'm I'm going to the game tomorrow. I'm going to be sitting there watching Dallas Keuchel getting lit up and be like, I just I just went through this 12 hours ago and worked out all of my complicated feelings here only to put myself through the ringer once again, because I always do, but that's why we're here. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, like I, honestly, so what kind of what I've, what I've been thinking about over the last couple of days is um, in that I think I've been thinking about a lot of things, but like one specific thing is the scene in, in the great Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore rom-com fever pitch. Uh, when Jimmy is in the, uh, that sports bar and he see after um, I think the Red Sox had lost and he sees all the players in there and they're all just like having a good time. And he's like, how could they be, you know, having such a good time? Like they just lost and whatever. And he has that like realization where it's, they can, you know, that's that they have their own lives. And, and basically the interpretation that I've always carried, not even remembering the specific dialogue in the scene is just like, okay, so yes, as we're fans and the players are players, coaches are coaches coaches front office front office i'm not here to say that the players don't care about wins and losses or all that i know that they do but um but obviously you know that's their you know that's their job right like they get paid for that there's there's financial uh incentive and all that kind of stuff um and so it's sort of like okay so the almost cliche thing of like well can't can i try to stop caring about this because if they don't care as much as i seem to be caring and i know yes they they do care more it's their it's their job whatever but um then why should i care basically um it really really bothers me it really really saddens me sometimes so it's like but that doesn't work because there's just that thing we're all we're all fans we're all very you know diehard fans and it's tough so it's like um so going through those those feelings and trying to think about a team like the white Sox, who in in a front office like the white Sox, who you know i'm just going to go into some quick specifics but you know, hire Tony LaRusse, as we all know, before last season, um, we all kind of had our to play our mental gym, gymnastics about even that. And, and I don't know that that any of us are even beyond that at this point, but we we like the players on the field, all that. Um, and then to, to make that hire and to kind of go through that and then to still kind of see just a lot of these same issues persist. That's when it got me to this sort of 
um, breaking point a little bit or, or crossroads, like I said before, a better word for it. So, um, and, and this could be for anybody, but um, I'm curious, like I'm at this tough spot where I'm, I'm, I'm almost at this like existential crisis of fan of sports fandom. Um, I don't know if anyone else is even close to there, but just where, and, and anyone can, can start out with this, but where, where are y'all at in terms of, um, in terms of just maybe just your sports fandom in general and, and kind of how you see the, the value that that is in your life? I will say I reached a point because I do a lot of stats. Like I do the six pack of stats at least twice a week. And it got to the point where on Sunday I was like, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to write this article. I don't want to watch this game. I had it on mute. I was watching the Mets play. And like, I don't, I don't, I don't even care. I didn't even start caring about the Mets until like a week ago when I was like, oh, well, they're fun to watch. But it gets to this point where I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to think about them. I don't want to write my article tomorrow. I don't want to watch that game. Like, it's just this miserable experience right now. And I think it's a lot of like players are just constantly hurt. And I do think it kind of started last year with just everybody going out immediately in spring training with, you know, the rest in peace, Eloy, red gloves, <laughs> jersey. But it, it's just, it's not fun when you're seeing players constantly go down. It's not fun when they're in this bad losing streak. And it's really not fun when you have these edgelords on Twitter defending Tony La Russa at mm-hmm. every chance they get. It's like, you know, he's not good. He was okay 10 years ago, sure, but he's not anymore. He's he shouldn't be managing this ball club. And it's hard for me to support the product they're putting out right now when everything has gone to hell in the clubhouse. Yeah. And yeah, you, yeah. I'm sorry. No, continue. Sorry. No, I was going to just jump in and uh, say that I think it's particularly hitting us as Sox fans, just because we've seen this movie before, you know, we've seen how this ends and we've seen the heartbreak and we've seen the bad seasons and like, it's our like instinct to protect ourselves from, you know, this, uh, what we know might be coming. So like, we're going to just like not want to watch baseball. Cause like, I'll catch myself not wanting to watch like just that last twins game. I'm like, it was on, it was muted. I'm like, I'm not really watching. I didn't really pay attention, you know, until they blew the game at the end. And I'm like, well, this is why I wasn't watching. Um, but I think there's just something to the fact that, we're watching it happen and we don't want it to get to that point again. So you're just going to kind of try to protect yourself because like, I'll feel that way. And then I'm like, Oh, and then I get drawn into like the angel Hernandez thing last night or like watching Mike trout be healthy and do Mike trout things. It's like, Oh, I do love baseball. Like I like baseball being played on the highest level, but like just my own fandom is right now keeping me away from the game because I'm afraid of what um, the results are going to be to the end of this thing. And I think maybe, because we were all, they really, Rick Hahn really sold us on this rebuild and he got us all moving in one direction, which is very hard to do for a White Sox fan base that is very opinionated and very combative, um, got us all moving in one direction. And then right at the moment when we started to get our hopes up, like we were completely kind of taken out of it by then deciding not to have a manager search and just like, you know, like that, like, so like, there was this moment when like our, the whole fandom and the whole organization were moving in one direction. And then all of a sudden, like everybody got cut out undercut and like, now this is where we're going. And so I think there's still a disconnect 
uh, in the fan base because of that. And I think that's a lot of the, uh, you know, it's resonating even now. And I think too, that again, going back to the LaRusa hire, the, the, it was one that not only, you know, did, did we not really like what had happened for several reasons, but the, that specific hire of Tony LaRusa, as, as we know, like Tony LaRusa is not getting fired. Like that's not going to happen. Tony LaRusa isn't going to step away from the team for the betterment of the team. Like at least I would think that that's highly, highly unlikely. Um, So they set it up where basically it's like, if it worked, then that just meant that the talent on the field, whatever, maybe Tony wouldn't be a detriment, but what it certainly looks like it's, it's leading towards is that, um, you know, I think all we were hoping is like, okay, we're not expecting Tony to, to even though yes, hall of fame manager, whatever, um, I don't think we were expecting him to like be this extremely valuable um, uh, strategic manager uh, based on, you know, <laughs> the last time he managed a decade ago. But I think for me, at least it was like, can he just not be a detriment? And he's been like, li- I think like the worst manager in baseball. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I-, I think there's a real argument there in 2022 um, in terms of just the the strategy in terms of a-, a whole lot of other things. And, and again, it's now in a position where we, if there's success, it's like, great. Okay. Um, but then if there's, if there's failure, like just we've seen in the last week, now we go and we say, well, what's, what's this leading to? Cause even if the white side's totally bottomed out, if they had, you know, a sort of a twins esque year, like the twins had last season, you know, does this lead to, to Larissa? Like, okay, well, at least the, the manager will get fired. Cause you can't fire the players classic thing. Well, no, they're not going to fire Larissa. So that's, that's the other kind of conflicting thing I've, I'm experiencing. If anything, they'll fire Rick Hahn. And I will add really quick, it's, as a fan, it's also a real big gut punch to see Carlos Rodon succeeding and being excellent in San Francisco, knowing that if they got their heads out of their asses, he could be succeeding and be healthy and excellent in Chicago. Yeah, I just hurt my feelings by looking at the Fangraphs pitching uh, leaderboard and seeing only Gossman ahead of him. And, like, I also wanted them to take a shot at Gossman this offseason if they weren't going to resign Redon. And, like, no, couldn't do either. You know, I've had a – I've had a uh, Zach, I want to I want to shout you out for a second because um, I've had a complicated relationship with Twitter throughout my life. I've been on. I've been off. I've been on. I've been off. I'm, I'm now on through the Northside Sox podcast that was originally sort of Janice and I running it. Um, and then it was like, you know, me just sort of tweeting out thoughts from it. And then finally I was like, okay, whatever. I'll just tweet from this. This is my Twitter. Um, but one of the problems, uh, and Crystal, you, you mentioned this earlier, is like, there's a, there's a, I mean, with Twitter, it's all relative, but it, there seems to be a lot of people, a very vocal number of people who just any criticism, it's the, uh, it's that enjoy the ride thing, right? It's like the, any criticism about, um, the team about the, the roster construction, about anything uh, is like shot down. And it's like, you're not, if you're not all on board with what's going on and, and, and the decisions or lack of this or whatever indecisions, then you're not, you're not on board with this team. And, uh, and, and Zach, I point you out just because, and we've all done this, but, but Zach, I want to point you out because you're, you're, and it's, you're one of the strongest um, voiced people on Twitter, as far as, you know, kind of putting your feet in the sand and saying, you know what, like, and, and you, and I see you saying this stuff before, you know, uh, before it happens, 
because it's just right there. Right. And it's like, no, like, like this hasn't been addressed or this is the way that this was addressed and this isn't probably going to work. And, and so, and I feel like the, the, re- the reason that a lot of people don't go out with could kind of like send that stuff out into, in the Twitter is just because the reaction that it gets from a lot of those, you know, that section of white Sox Twitter that, that we're all kind of referring to. Um, so so what what kind of brings you to to that mentality in terms of just kind of saying you know what th- this is the way I think about this and, and I'm not afraid to say it. You know, so in the emotional aspect of this is like a long and, and winding road. So I about three years ago I was diagnosed as bipolar, and I've done a lot of work in that time on emotional regulation. And how I relate to, I mean, sports are a huge part of my life. And I used to be, you know, the kind of person who, if my goodness, I would probably be, I mean, my head would have exploded after a seven game losing streak. If Hendricks gives up a a game winning homer and I would have slammed my desk and yelled fuck at the top of my lungs and that sort of thing. And I'm not, I'm not that kind of person anymore. I like to sort of go out of my way to stay level-headed because if I have to think about it consciously or else I won't do it. So sometimes that just means when something bad is staring at you straight in the face, like you just got to say it, you just got to be out with it. And it's, you know, if it's true, it's true. If you believe it, you believe it. I don't really care if anybody wants to yell at me for being pessimistic or whatever. If I'm, I'm happy to be wrong. If that's always, if that's the case, you know, I'm always happy to be wrong when I'm being uh, negative about the team. And when I'm, just sort of calling it like I see it like that. Uh, but I mean, I'd also be lying if it isn't partially because it makes this a little bit easier. You know, it's like, keep the expectations. Don't set the expectations, you know, on the roof and try to look at things in a way that's, you know, what are the ways in which this could possibly go wrong? Cause nothing ever goes right. The white Sox spent 15 years after 2005 trying to make everything go right at the same time. Like they did that one year and it just didn't work. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, Unfortunately, it is kind of that reflexive instinct that um, I think, Tommy, you were talking about a moment ago, where we're just like, I've seen this story too many times before. Things are going to go wrong. Here are the things that are really obviously, you know, have the potential to go wrong that don't look like they're going to go right. And they go wrong. It's like, oh, shocker, I'm going to be mad. I can't even be too upset about it because you know what? It was right there the whole time. And like I said, if you keep the expectations low, it can at least let you stay level-headed, I find, when uh, sometimes the optimistic side of things aren't aren't met. Yeah, and it's I, I think that it, it's a great way of putting it in terms of like, and, and I, I think that that idea of, of pointing out something and, and being perceived as negative is, is interesting, too, because you know, I've always said that if I, if I say something to, to a, a fellow fan, or if I tweet something out that could be perceived as negative, and then it ends up like not turning out that way. In other words, you know, if I tweeted a bunch of stuff about how I hated the Tony Larusa hire, and then you know, or or hated a signing or or a trade or whatever, and then it turns out to be you know great in the other direction, I'm, I'm the first person. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to be wrong about the neg. You know, the, I'm putting quotation marks up like like the negativity or whatever. Um, but Zach, like you said you see it right there. It's hard to kind of just be like, well, yeah, you know, uh, let's, you know, this, I'm sure that this won't be a problem when it very clearly probably will. And, and, um, and, you know, Crystal, you're talking about how you're doing this, the stats, obviously, uh, twice, a couple times a week. And, 
and through all that, I mean, baseball's a, a game of numbers. It's all out there. You know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to show whether these things will work or won't work and the probabilities and all that. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, Tommy, I want to, I want to shout you out here as, as my, as my fellow, um, Illini fan, just because, um, anger has been a thing for me that I've kind of really, really tried to counter and, and actually has gone very, I've really improved a lot in like my baseball anger than, than, you know, than years ago, but you know, things like Illinois athletics, I'll just say for a second has been a little bit more challenging, but I'm tr- trying to work on that. Uh, I'll just do a quick story, but um, Illinois this season, Illinois basketball, I forget what game or what moment it was, but I, uh, I was sitting in the room, my fiance was doing some work in, in the, in the kind of across the room. And I was like, and I picked up a pillow and I was like screaming into the pillow and, and, uh, later on I, uh, went up and I was like, and I, and I just, I was just like, I just want to like apologize for, you know, for acting like that and screaming into a pillow. And she's like, don't apologize to me. But she's like, I think it's embarrassing for like a 28 year old to be doing that. But you know, that's, that's you, you know, <laughs> so maybe you want to just, and it was like, and it was an important moment. Cause it's like, I did think like, it's hard. Like, I don't, I don't let these things bother me as long as they used to. Um, but that in the moment anger, like I said, in baseball has, has started to go away a little bit where it's more just, and I'll kind of get to these feelings soon here, but, um, but, but Tommy, what's your experience kind of specifically with like anger or kind of how you've maybe developed or felt that way about, about a really tough loss or a really tough, you know, stretch of, of, of any sport that you're watching? No, I, I totally get it. Um, I, I, I feel the same way about Illini athletics. I know, you know, I, I watch premier league soccer and, you know, the Spurs are the team that I picked up and I'm like, shit, even when I pick a team myself, I always pick the most disappointing team that there could be. And it's just like, why do I keep doing this to myself? But um, I, I think from, from my perspective, I don't get angry about the White Sox the way I do about the Illini or, or some other teams because, um, and I'll pull another uh, quote from um, from um, the same movie just because we're, we're on it. But it's, you know, when the kid says to Jimmy Fallon, you know, you love the Sox, but when was the last time the Sox loved you back? And I feel like that's more for me, the point that I've hit where it's, ownership actively doing stuff against the interests of the fan base and you can look at the tony larusa stuff you could even look at the changes that they made to the ballpark getting rid of the goose island head and going full corporate with you know the the beer selection and the way they're changing the stadium and all that i just it there's not a same sense of you know the Bulls team where it's like, Hey, we're going to try to reconstruct everything and get players that you've actually heard of and want to watch and look at them play well together. Rick Hahn had the rebuild to sell everybody on. And I've been wait like the rebuild was nice, but that was the foundation. I've been waiting for him to build the rest of the house. And it seems like he's still trying to get us to celebrate the foundation that he laid five years ago. And I'm like, that's nice, but for this to work, I need a house to live in, and you're just pointing out the foundation. And I think that's how he 
pulled it off and got us as White Sox fans all on board for this rebuild was that like we had not had any kind of like transparency into the thought process of what they were trying to do and actually they were trying to like work with us as a fan base of like hey we know it's been tough we know it hasn't worked um we're going to try something new we're going to need you guys on board with it and you know keep supporting even though it's going to be rough for a minute and then as soon as it stopped being rough like they we had any semblance of like all right maybe it's starting to come together rick Hahn just zero you know radio silence you don't see him you don't hear from him everything he does say is full-on corporate double speak and like we are back to like not knowing anything uh except you know they're just gonna find an excuse to say like oh you know it is what it is you know what are you gonna do and frankly i think he's been less transparent because at least with kenny williams you had an idea of what he was going to try to do where it's like yeah there are five high-priced free agents that i really want I probably won't sign any of them, but I'm going to try. Like you had some general idea, but Rick Hahn is just like behind the curtain, you know, double speak. Oh, I don't need to be seen. I don't need to be heard from. And it, I think it makes it worse in terms of like the vitriol within White Sox Twitter. And that's why I think it's very combative because you have the people that I, I'm just going to say are smarter and know better because we've been through this before and know that things typically don't go well in White Sox organizational history. So there's no reason to believe that suddenly things are going to improve drastically. And then other people telling us, no, everything's fine. This is the guy that did the rebuild. Enjoy the ride. And it's just like, fuck the ride. I want to win. I I don't care about the ride anymore. The ride should be over. Like, why are we still talking about the ride? It is full. It is full on gaslighting to a certain extent from this uh, certain part of the fan base. Um, But yeah, like just the, even if Rakan was fully on board with Tony and it was kind of, he was agreeing like, just by him being so obtuse and like you not ever hearing from him in any kind of discernible way, like really kind of plants the seed of, you know, there's not all on the same page. So like, it doesn't matter which Avenue it is, whether talent scouting or putting a team together or hiring or whatever they do, like it always just seems like this organization does whatever it can to do things to make their lives harder and make our lives worse as people who love this team. That's kind of the, the, the irony is like when they were rebuilding, um, I was like, I, I watched like, like basically every game. Um, I, and it's like, I would watch it because, and even honestly, when they were, when they pre pre like official rebuild. And then when they were kind of doing the thing post Oh five, um, trying to, to, to piece it together every season. I mean, I was watching every game and like, even when they were bad and like later in the season and I would be excited for white Sox baseball, you know, every night it was, it was, a I planned my weekends or all this kind of stuff. And it's like now the first time, uh, like I said, like arguably in my, in my like awareness of white Sox fandom that they sort of put to get together this team that on paper should be, have this competitive window for the longest amount of time that I've experienced. I, we talked about the game, about yesterday's game. Like I had it on, but like I, it was, it was like I, and I found this even a few games in this stretch. Like 
I haven't been as like interested in watching. And like, that's like the, then that's kind of what goes back to what I was saying in the beginning in the purpose of this call is it's like, I'm finding myself in this place that it's like, why did I care about this? Like, why was I so passionate during like the shitty, shitty, shitty years? And it's like, now that they're like, there, kind of, they're, they're supposed to be there. And now I'm like, not as, I'm just not as passionate, you know, uh, Byron Buxton hit that, hit that walk off yesterday. And like, you remember that, that game, I don't remember what season, 23rd, I don't remember, one of you will remember, but when, when Thornton gave up the walk-off to Tommy in Minnesota, like, that was like the, that was like the angriest I've ever been, I think, at a sporting event, um, not, I wasn't there, but watching on TV, I said some things that I'll, I'll, I'll always regret saying, um, and again, again, it was about Jim Tommy of all people, like, it was really bad, I said a lot of really bad things, I'm just gonna be honest. Um, and about the, the entire twins team and about the city of Minneapolis and the state of Minnesota. I love Minneapolis, but I said some horrible things. So that happened. It crushed me. It probably affected me for like week and a half, two weeks. It was really, really bad. And I don't even remember like the context of the season of when I was just, it was crushing. And I've had some smaller moments that yesterday Bucks is through and Homer. I mean, he's celebrating like crazy. Again, I love it. I'm all for it, like in, in general. But like, if it happens to you, it's not as fun. Um, he, you know, this was this, like, you know, this like bomb of a home run, all this stuff in the, like in the day that like crushes me. And I, and I was like watching it under the corner of my eye while watching a movie on the main screen. And I was like, I don't even really care. <laughs> like, and that, and that is the problem to me. Or maybe it's not, maybe that's, Maybe yeah. that's growth, but that's the thing. Didn't it feel predictable though? Ex- yes. Yeah, I wasn't. I, mean, I wasn't even mad. Yeah. No, like, and that exactly. <laughs> my favorite. My favorite part of it is like we just finished off this seven-game losing streak with Byron Bucks and just absolutely demolishing a baseball. And like mm-hmm. my favorite part of you know White Sox Twitter was just like we were all just like laughing and having a good time. It's like why why even be mad at this team because like it's not worth it. Like it just. <laughs> I want them to win and I root for them, but they don't look like they're having a good time. Why should I be worried about what's going on? You know? no, I mean, it's like the, that portion of the, you know, typical bear season where it's like between games five and 10, once everybody realizes the bears are actually going to be bad, there's that fun, bad period. And I think that's where we are with the white Sox right now, where it's like, it isn't exhausting yet because the season is still early, but it's, kind of funny watching Dallas Keuchel almost lose his head every time he gets knocked around in a game it's kind of funny watching Bummer come out every time and getting an opportunity to use the new pun because he just hasn't been bad enough the last few times that you've seen him like we're still in that stage where I think for me that's what's prevented me from losing my head if we're still having this conversation and it's June July I'm yeah, I'm I'm probably going to have more questions about my fandom and what does it all mean? Because I think at that point it's you, you have long-term organizational questions that you have to ask. But for right now, it's just like, yeah, there's a lot of guys on here that we've all said might be kind of old and bad that are looking really old and bad. Yeah. And when they didn't like when they didn't walk Buxton or when I real when it was very clear that they weren't going to walk Buxton with the base open, I was like quick. I was almost like going to go to Twitter and be, and, and make a comment about that. But I was like, I know everyone's going to be saying that, but I was also like, am I missing something? 
like, cause I'm, I'm, I'm not like, I've said this many times. I'm not, I, I respect it, but I'm, but I'm not smart enough to understand all the analytics and all that stuff. Um, but I was like, am I missing something? Cause I don't want to like, like to me, it seems like this is such an obvious situation and then they didn't. And then it's like, it's like wait a minute. Am I enjoying the ride? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's, you're not a hall of fame baseball person. So no, of course you would think to walk Buxton. I mean, come on. <laughs> and then, he, and then he hits the home run and then goes back to like what I said, like, it was like, I, that's why I didn't even, like, it was, like, yeah, like the predictability of it, ultimately. It's, it was just like, yeah, okay, I guess. I guess this is, this makes sense. I, I feel like it's the combination of the predictability with the fact that we were very explicitly promised that this would not be, like, the last X million times is part, part of what is causing, like, this this to feel particularly dour. I mean, we they they put us as fans through a lot of bullshit, as fun as the like there were a lot of fun moments on those 2017 2018 2019 teams i went to a lot of games had a lot of good times but those were 100 lost seasons we <laughs> we expected to have one of those seasons to be able to come out of this looking like you know the royals did in 2015 or the cubs did in 2016 or the astros did in 2017 where they're, you know, they hit the end of the tunnel and they got that magical 100 win season where it really seemed, you know, things were going right. And it was just a top to bottom fun team, magical season. And we're barely two weeks into this after what was a very stressful winter of baseball, after what has been a very stressful two years, gestures vaguely everywhere, you know, and we get two weeks into this and it's like, oh, this is going to be the same. And I'll go on the record right now saying, I still think they'll win in the vicinity of 90 games and make the playoffs. Uh, but we just saw last year that a 90, 93 win team, as much as it's a, it's a lot better than a 70 win team, but it can be really frustrating. It can be really, really frustrating. So we get to this point where it's like, oh, this clearly isn't going to be one of those teams that wins 100 games and sweeps their way to the playoffs and we can all, you know, dance on the clouds the whole time. I really can't blame people for being like, oh, you know what? Like, why? I wouldn't blame anybody. I'm getting to this point myself, like many, like y'all have said, where you can't blame anyone for saying like, oh, why am I going to put myself through the same high wire act? And it's like, what, what is the point of following it every day? If like, we know what we're going to get out of it. And ultimately, is it going to be worth the stress of those heartbreaking losses and those losing streaks where, you know, for a fact that it is entirely or was entirely avoidable, you know, where it doesn't take, you don't have to be, I don't think, you know, none of us are MLB GMs, but we can see pretty clearly what's what some of the issues are. And the fact that they don't get fixed is, is really infuriating. And then, you know, you put all of that on top of a really, really poor choice for manager on like an ethical level that makes you feel shitty for rooting for him. It's a perfect combination of, you know, a 92, nine, an 88, 90, 92 win playoff team. That's not actually going to be the most enjoyable experience in the world, which is like, why in that case, it's like, why, why are we here? Yeah. So that's that's my explanation for the general malaise, and I, I hope it gets I hope it gets better. I think it will, but it's it's valid. It's very very valid. I think. I, I feel like it. this is like I feel like I'm just enduring like Stockholm syndrome at this point because it's like you know we we were we were promised something great. We've had these good times, and it's been amazing. And you're like, oh, but 
you remember this game or do you remember this award? And like, oh, I was at that game with my friends and it was so much fun. But then you look back and you're like, oh my God, they suck though. Nothing is happening. The whole front office is just total trash. They're gaslighting me at every single angle. Like this is mental, emotional abuse. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, but you remember Lucas Giolito's no hitter? Like that was such a fun game, you know? So I just feel like I'm just in this loop of, is it Stockholm syndrome? And then I say, oh, but all these players are hurt. And I'm like, but they should have addressed that. We should have had backups for these people. So I'm like talking myself through all of the issues. And I'm like, but this should have been done about this. This should have happened. They should have went after this person. So no, maybe it is just a cycle of abuse that I'm trying to gaslight myself out of it but in fact I'm just stuck in this void where everything was preventable but I'm still just trying to enjoy the ride yeah it's it's a really good point about like this this cycle because it's gotten really to where in every off season of the last few years um there'll be you know the list of the, the free agents and then the list of the needs that the White Sox will have and then when they don't address like the top of the market or when the top of the market starts to, get, starts to get signed, you hear the same things. And then when the middle part of the market starts to get signed, you hear the same things. And then finally the Sox will swoop in and do something, but it's always what we've seen it to be. But then the things that you hear and that we have to convince ourselves of, because we hear it from Sox Twitter, we hear it sometimes from the front office, but it's essentially, well, no, they were never going to get this guy. Or, or this was always unrealistic. Or, or you know, whoever thought that they were going to sign this guy you know that that's that's so unrealistic and then then it's like oh and then for me like personally speaking it's like oh I guess that's true and then you think for a second you're like wait why why that's not how there's not you know not even getting into any like kind of you know salary things or or any that kind of conversation it's like first of all we know that they've had the money they have the money all that kind of stuff getting that out of the way it's also like this concept for a lot of people that seems to be so challenging to understand which is you can be a good you can be a very good, you can be a great team and you can actually still add good, really good, great players to make it better. And it seems like we've been like, yeah, gaslit or, or, or manipulated into believing that like somehow um, if you have like a really good team on the field, that the idea of signing or, or acquiring other really good players is like, no, well, whoa, 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 whoa. That's asking too much of the front office. That's unrealistic. And I don't get that. I, I don't understand how we we're so okay with that now. And you see the Dodgers do it. You see them, you saw the Mets just do it. Like you see all of these teams. Like I don't even know like, how many free agents San Diego has signed over the last three years. Like they just like yeah. it just keeps they just keep finding more Turn guys in the out. system, more money. Um and it doesn't help that literally this whole uh anti-spending $100 million on a player movement starts and stops with the 2005 White Sox, the last team to win a World Series without a $100 million contract. Um, it's it's just, uh, yeah, it's just constantly being told that it's just, we're going to have to just do better. But, like, you guys don't make any moves to do better. Like, all right, I get it. Like, you know, if we're going to have to 
uh, have some limitations, you know, the Rays have limitations. So then they put all of their money into development and scouting. And like, you don't do any of that. <laughs> you, you literally pick out one guy, overpay him and bring him over from Cuba. And then like, that's your scouting department. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not uh, sustainable in the current thing. And it's one thing to watch your team lose because they're not good enough or watch your team lose because the other team is just better. But to watch a team that's like very talented play like a rebuilding team is painful <laughs> and just reminds you of like, even when things are good, they can be bad. And then- you hit on, hit on it perfectly because it's like, if you, I, I am, I think it's stupid, but it's like, all right, if you want to say that the White Sox where Jerry Reinsdorf somehow doesn't have money stashed aside to spend on the White Sox roster, that's fine then be really good at scouting and developing the players that you have. They're not. And, you know, the Rays constantly churn out guys that nobody has ever heard of that are like overnight success stories or they, you know, fit a need, so on and so forth. The only thing the White Sox seem to be able to develop are relief pitchers and some weird first base corner outfielder guys that we seem to have a surplus of but heaven forbid we have more than two second basemen that can hit. So, I mean, there's the allocation of resources make no sense. You know, they won't spend money on a frontline starter, but they'll sign 10 guys that are all equally shitty to try to make up for not having a frontline starter. You should never go into a season thinking that you're competitive with Vince Velasquez being one of your starting rotation pitchers he's never been good like he has no history of being good and yet you're like oh yeah you know we have a great pitching coach and he'll fix him and everything will be fine that's not the stuff that you do when you're trying to do world when you're at world series or bust yeah i always say that they they talk like a like a small market team, but they draft like a big market team, knowing that if the draft picks fail, they'll just sign somebody because they have money exactly. to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Vince Velasquez, that's a great guy to bring in as a minor league guy to camp because you're going to work with the pitching coach and hopefully get something out of him, but not a guy to guarantee a pitching spot to on the major league roster. I, like when they signed, uh, or which team traded for Adam Hazley or whatever. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. It was yeah. like, when that happened and then all everyone got their jokes off about like, Oh, here's your big, you know, right field acquisition. It's like, okay, obviously and the, this is the art at the time. It's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, fine center, uh, Charlotte center fielder, minor league depth, whatever. <laughs> and then it's like, Nope. Here he is. Yeah. Here he is. And, and that like, I, I genuinely, even like in all my, in all my cynical thinking wouldn't have thought, maybe I should have thought it, but I wasn't thinking about him being a part of any, starting lineups this season um and i understand that there's been some injuries as we know but like even still it's like come on and and, and uh you know i know we the, there was a multitude of reasons why michael conforto not, not to mention even just the most recent of he's going to miss the entire season wasn't signed but like it's like they put it where it's like well i mean what are you going to do now the season started it's like you're right the season started and there's very little you can do to address it but in an entire off season to, to address you know, outfield depth. And it's not like, and we're not even asking for top of the market. And this is the crazy thing. We should ask for top of the market. We should expect that, but we don't. 
And what we expect is, I don't know, maybe just like legitimate major league depth. And what we got was like what should have been just minor league depth. We're so beat down. I was like convincing myself, like, you know what? Um, you know, bringing back Avisel Garcia is not the worst <laughs> thing we could do. Yeah. But I think the other thing that, that just drives me nuts about the White Sox right now is that they have a bunch of fringe guys in the minor leagues that aren't going to get any better in Charlotte. Like Blake Rutherford, I feel like has to be 40 years old now because it feels like we've been talking about him forever. And it's just like, I'm not sure if he's good, but I bet he's better or just as good as Adam Hazley. I don't know if Mike Rodolfo is good, but I bet he's just as good or better than some of the other guys that they're trotting out there. Oh, wait, so, we do have to, we do have to disclose. Uh, Tommy is actually on Micah's uh, PR team. He, he gets I am. When he reaches the majors. <laughs> I'm just saying like, you know, I don't know if he's good. I know he can hit home runs. That's more we than yeah, I we, can we didn't say know, about a lot we didn't of guys know Gavin was anything. Right. We didn't know Gavin right. Cheese was anything until last no. year. He got a shot. Burger, same thing. We didn't know until they gave him a shot. Like, might as well give him a shot. Like, if you're running Adam Hazley and, uh, you know, Larry Garcia out there so many times, then you just give him a go, you know? But here's but, the- I mean, that's where I just get confused because, like, we – they have guys on this roster that have, like, no history of any success at any level. Like, great. Adam Hazley was a, a first-round draft pick. There are a whole bunch that never even sniffed the major leagues. He should frankly be on that list. The same thing with Vince Velasquez. He's never been good. There are other guys that the White Sox could rely on, probably Jimmy Lambert a lot earlier than saying, oh, let's trot this guy out and hope that it works out and it doesn't. And now you're like, oh, well, we'll like stick Ronaldo Lopez in, but not really. And we'll have an opener here and a it's just it's messy it really is and uh adrian to your point about like we didn't know what we had in in gavin sheets we didn't know we had in uh jake Berger, and then and seeing them have some success at the major league level the only danger with that is like like that's great like that 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 they can offer something at the major league level but the problem is is that we don't then remember any time that it's like oh if they show something it's like well hey hey Sox fans here you know here's your here's your your utility you know your your you know your your super utility jake Berger and your you know right fielder gavin sheets it's like it's like well well no wait that doesn't mean that they're just expensive. yeah i mean i get the i get the fear of that but like sometimes like when you're a good team like i understand you have to do that like we have yeah yeah larry garcia's at home in the minor system like, why did we give $24 million to Larry Garcia and then still have a backup Larry Garcia on the team in Mendick? So it's like, who's what other team in the league has a utility player with another utility player backing him up? Like, yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what if we just get rid of both of them and bring Yolmer back? Like, maybe Yolmer is the missing piece. Like, he brought joy and peace and good vibes to the clubhouse. Like, Yolmer comes back, Carlos Rodon comes back, like everyone is suddenly healthy and happy. And we just have like the best vibes and we're in the World Series. Like, I think that Yolmer is that missing piece. Bring him back. I like so you're that. saying that the White Sox are <laughs> cursed by. Yeah, Yolmer. Zach Collins, Zach Collins is one home run short of his career high 
the vibes are good everywhere else. <laughs> Is is he actually though? Because I saw that like he was he had a, a few really good games, but has he kept that up? Has he still been solid? Is there? He's yeah. kept it up. Yeah, he hit a game tying three run. He is yesterday. he is just absolutely he is like I called him Adam Dunn without the walks. He is just swinging <laughs> for the fences because you know what, he knows though? all he needs to do is hit a homer every now and then, and he has value to that team because they don't really need help. I, they have three they have three other catchers on the roster besides him. He's not touching his equipment. They burned it at the border when he came <laughs> over. He is just there to be left-handed and swing as hard as possible. And that's why he's a perfect fit for that team. But yeah. that's that's what you do. That's what a good team does. They're like, hey, you're left-handed. You can hit. We'll just put you in that position where you can be successful. We won't ask you to catch so you can bat the ball around, the, you know, the behind the plate. We'll just put you in that one position. That's That's what good teams do. And that's what I wish the White Sox would do more of instead of asking guys to do things they have no business doing. And I want to be clear too, if, if, just real quick, Zach Collins, I, I hope he, I, I have no ill will towards Zach Collins as far as wanting him to succeed in his career. And I will go as far to say though, that like if Zach Collins could go on to like win the AL MVP this season. And I want to say this like loud and clear. I don't give a shit. I am so happy that he's not on the White Sox. And, and like I said this at the time, you know, like I would have just released him. We, we traded for a, a, a player that, um, <laughs> I won't even get any jokes off on this one. It's all. <laughs> I, I am glad, I am glad that the White Sox made an actual professional baseball move. They should have done this with Zach last year when yeah. they knew that they weren't going to have a backup exactly. catcher and they needed a defensive catcher. Like your whole thing is built around. All right, we need somebody that receives the ball well and handles the pitching staff. We're built around our pitching staff. Let's value that position instead. Like, no, we spent a lot of value on Zach. Let's see if he can do it. Yeah, yeah, and, and not to mention just like and, and the the value that you're referring to is just another failed first round pick, uh, which doesn't even get talked about enough as far as how many of those there's been um, in within the in the last several years. Uh, so yeah, it's it's um. It's, it's just strange. And like I said, it's just this feeling of like, it's not, it's beyond, uh, it's not anger. Like I said, I don't really get, I don't get angry about the White Sox. Um, and, and this is the, 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 the thing I kind of want to round this out with is also the fact that I think about last season and how, you know, last season as the, as just seeing an entire season of a team that was like really good, um, there were some really fun times last season, right? I mean, there's some really, really fun times throughout the regular season. And um, ironically, the best part of the postseason involved Leary Garcia. But as far as the regular season, uh, fun times. The fun times that I had, and I'm just speaking for myself here, um, were really, really fun. It was great. But it's like I'm finding that, like, at the like in the last couple weeks or just how I've been feeling, even going into this season, weirdly, that like that like um those like feelings of that I'm trying to figure out now are not like currently being outweighed by how fun great moments were last season. And that's the part that's like such this strange feeling to me because I don't know how to explain that. And it's it's that's the sad thing to me, which is like I love the White Sox and I love baseball. And I, I love the White Sox more than I love baseball. And, and it's been such an, you know, they've been such an important part of my life 
but why do I not get like, like why, why, why is it like, okay, the, the, what should be like the greatest thing of like this great team in the regular season, uh, a consistent playoff team. Why is that not making it worth this shit, <laughs> this feeling? <laughs> and I think that's the part that's just challenging. I think, um, I think an easy answer is that we fell in love with this team over the last couple of years. Cause they just had a lot of fun. They were very fun to watch and they seem to be having fun. Like, you couldn't go like, you know, three minutes on a broadcast yesterday without seeing a White Sox player smile. Like I don't remember that so far this year, even in the first couple games when yeah. they were winning, like this is not a, this is not last year's team. And I mean, they've never been a prohibitive favorite before, you know, they're expected to win their division this year. Like they weren't expected to win last year. They're expected to compete for it, but like now they are the guy with the target on their back and like, they have to learn how to have fun in that situation and maybe they will, you know, as this year goes. But right now, like I think as a fan base, we came in looking for that fun loving smiley bunch of guys and they're just not there right now. That's a great point. Yeah. And, and even you saw it with like their reactions after the game yesterday. I mean, I was like looking, I never really read like, um, unless it's on South Red Sox, I'm not reading any like the beat reporters recaps of the games or anything like that in terms of the major beats and all that stuff. Um, but I was turning to it this today because I wanted to read player quotes because I was like, let me hear these guys say, it's fine. This just happens. Like it was, and I didn't hear that. It was, I mean, yeah, Giolito was like, yeah, it's been a shitty week. It's like, yeah, okay. That's a nice fun quote, but it's also like, I was like trying to find that cheesy, like, it's all good. Like this is a part of a major league season. It's a long season, whatever. And, and Adrian, to your point, like it wasn't, and I'm not saying they should be like, all happy after a seven game losing streak. But I also, I was looking to the players to kind of be like, it's going to be okay. And I can say as a fan that's, you know, watched all different sports throughout my whole life that like, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to like overreact to this season. Zach, like you said, I still think this is going to be a team that uh, wins an awful AL central division. Um, but, uh, but ultimately it's like, yeah, it's not the same vibe as as it was last season um and also as had been noted in a couple things i read you know over the last couple of days the, a seven game losing streak you don't want to like overreact to anything this early in the season but like great teams don't often go through that that's not that's not a normal great team you know uh, streak there um and yeah so that's kind of where i'm at <laughs> And it's, and I don't know if it's, you know, in, in the, in the audit I've done uh, as far as like personally on the sports fandom part of it has been something I'm going to keep kind of thinking about, but um, for, for myself and how I kind of want to treat something that I've been so passionate about for my whole life. Um, But I want to, I want to at least get to some, some good stuff here as far as, you know, like I said, this, all this really was, was just helping me cope. This is just the help, help Sam cope podcast. Um, but, but I, I, I want to know what y'all uh, do um, in terms of, like I said, like yesterday I tried to throw on a movie while the game was on. Maybe I just shouldn't have had the game on at all and been like, whatever, it'll either, either win a game after a six game losing streak or it'll be a seven game losing streak. And I can just watch this movie, read a book, whatever. Um, normally I've just put myself through watching the games what do y'all do if anything, you know, when you've had, when you've experienced maybe wanting a break from 
if you've experienced how wanting a break from your sports fandom, uh, where do you sort of turn to? And this obviously could be anything, anything that you enjoy. Well, I'm really bad. I don't necessarily get away from sports. I just kind of give different things a try. I mean, and even still in the realm of baseball, like yesterday we went to a minor league game. My kids got to run the bases. They got to meet the Pirates parrot. Like we had a blast and I turned off my notifications for the White Sox game because I didn't like I I found myself doing that. Like I will turn off the notifications. So I have to like actually actively go look. And I'm like, do I want to put myself through that? No, not really. I'm off today. But we just, we have to just get out and do other things, have other experiences and not be sitting at home thinking, well, I'm bored. Maybe I should just turn on this baseball game. And I also have just been watching other teams. Like I said, I've been watching the Mets a lot lately. We're going to see them in July. We're going to, I'm going to see the Brewers this weekend because I want to see my baby Andrew McCutcheon. But yeah, I just, I have to just get out, especially now that it's warmer. Cause I'm just like, I'm going to sit here in my room yelling at my laptop because I'm pissed off because Tim Anderson has once again made a ridiculous error that just cost us the game. I like that. I like that, that idea of just getting out. Cause I think that's what I'm going to try and do. Try is the, the keyword there uh, over the next let's I was going to say two weeks I want to see if I could do it for a week of like I'm not saying I won't watch but I'm not going to like be like oh well it's it's six o'clock or seven o'clock I'm going to sit down it's kind of like I'll see what I'm doing I'm not gonna you know I'll, I'll make plans with people um where maybe maybe if a buddy reached out and they were like you know hey do you want to go see a movie or something and I would traditionally be like well I'm gonna watch the Sox game uh I'll be like you know what sure yeah why not and turn off the phone and and, and do that so um, I, I like those. I really, for these purposes, enjoy listening on the radio rather than watching because it moves it from like being kind of the forefront of what I'm doing to more of a background thing. I can be out and about while listening on the radio. I can be in my backyard. I can be reading. I can be doing a million different things. And if they're pissing me off, I just go like that and I keep doing what I'm doing or I switch to music and I don't skip a beat, you know, um, that, or yeah, I just try to like, I have games on all day, whether it's baseball or basketball, like just sometimes move on to another one, put it out as if it's one of like six, you know, as opposed to one of one or one of two, that's, uh, I mean, that's easier said than done. That's my ADHD brain at work to some, to some extent too. But if it's, you know, you got to, at least for me, it helps it to just kind of make it another baseball game. You know, there's 10,000 of them in a season. Fuck it. On to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I've never, I've, I've listened to games on the radio when I'm driving or whatever, but to, I haven't thought about it in that way of like being in my house. And just, I mean, I'm, I'm always listening to podcasts, walking around the house or I'll be doing whatever. It's kind of this, a similar situation where it's just like, have it on. Um, and yeah, like if, if I'm getting mad, mad at it, just like turn it off, you know, see it when I see it. Kind it of and, and it's not necessarily like with TV where it, presumably if you're sitting in front of the TV and you like angrily hit the button, like you got to find something else, actively find yeah. something else to do. That's not watching TV. If I'm already doing something else with the game on the radio, like mm-hmm. I said, I just go about my business and I pretend like it never happened. Yeah. That's great. 
Yeah, I have ADHD, so, like, I always like to have stuff in the background. I don't like it when it's quiet. Like, so I'll always have, like, a tab open in the browser with, like, a YouTube video playing. So, like, I'll do that. I will do that a lot with the White Sox. Like, I will pull the stream up because I want to pay attention. I want to, like, just follow along. But, like, I will be doing other things, (laughs) you know. Um, It's rare. Maybe, like, maybe two, three times a week will I just, like, sit down and, like, all right, I'm going to watch the whole broadcast. Like, normally it's just, like it's open and if something exciting happens or something I want to watch or somebody I want to watch at bat, you know, or pitch, like I will jump over, but it's not at the forefront at all times. Yeah. I also try to keep the games in the background, but I think the other thing for me that, that I try to do and Sam, you're a musician, so you'll appreciate this, but I try to, I try to find like one player or one, you know, play that I can focus in on is just like a building block so it's like might be a horrible game but Luis Robert turned it around at the plate and looked less lost than he has been like things like that and I I equate it to music because it's like you know sometimes if you're dragged to a concert or you're listening to something that you don't particularly care for it's like if you just keep your ear out for like the bass or the drums or something it's like you can find things that are just like, all right, if I just pay attention to this one part of it, this is pleasant and it doesn't drive me nuts. And that's kind of what I have found myself doing this year with the White Sox, where it's just like, I can't think about all of it because it's too much. But if I focus in on, oh, Jake Berger had a great game. Good for him. I'm glad he's, you know, playing and, and doing well. And just kind of compartmentalize it that way, it makes it a lot easier to handle. Yeah, speaking to that, I've been I have been enjoying a lot this season so far, you know, regardless of the outcomes, just watching uh both McGuire and uh Yasmani just go about their business, like the way they call games, the way that they, you know, frame pitches, the way that they work through their business. Like it's really nice just to watch as a, you know, former catcher and just a baseball fan of like the the mechanics of it just to see that at a high level with all the little league stuff going on otherwise <laughs> otherwhere in the uh, the field um it's nice to see like those are like two guys doing it at an absolutely high level and uh, regardless of success like it's just fun to watch as a fan yeah i think i think that's it, it, tommy you make a great analogy with like just this i think even just when you're at a concert just consuming any entertainment i mean sports sports are entertainment and is as serious. And again, as, as I may feel in the emotions that we've all felt in our lives where it doesn't always feel like how is the, it's just like, how is this, you know, you don't thinking about it as entertainment. It seems much more, you know, life or death than when it's very much not, but it can feel that way. Um, but I think that because it's entertainment, the same way that I've always kind of annoyed my friends where we'll go to see a movie or watch a movie or, or a show or something, or, or listen to a, a band. And I've had the ability to say, you know, if everyone's like, this is shit. And I'm like, well, I actually like this part was good. Or I really like this scene or, or, um, you know, and they'll be like, what are you talking? And I'm like, well, no, I mean, like I didn't like the movie, but this scene was good. And therefore it was valuable to experience it. But I've never done that with, with sports. I've never done that with the White Sox. So I think Tommy, that's a great point of like, you don't have to, you know, there's only one team is ultimately going to, you know, one team wins the championship at the end of every season. So the, the odds are that of the, of the sports that I watch, you know, uh, I'm not getting those championships consistently. It's not going to happen. So it's always going to end in it's, it's almost always going to end in, in some kind of disappointment. 
But if you look at it, like even on a game to game basis, if I am checking in on, on each game in some capacity, looking, picking certain things to come away from, or, or even going into the game and saying, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch this guy for this, or I'm going to see how this, then that's, that's, yeah, I haven't thought about it that way. That's really a, a cool way to look at it. I do that a lot, actually. Like, I mean, obviously I'm going to be watching the games that I am doing coverage for, but if I'm not working that day, you know, my only appointment viewing at this point is when Kopech pitches. Like I want to see him. I don't care if I'm covering it or not. I'm going to watch that. Maybe I turn it off when they eventually pull him. But like, I've just made it a rule to where it's either I am covering it, which, you know, two times a week or Michael Kopech is pitching because I love him. We are also secretly in love and I'm going to support him and love him forever. So I'm going to watch him pitch because it brings me some joy. Yeah, and that's a good, that's another reason, like, when it's on in the background, it's a nice, because you can just kind of peek in, like, all right, I am always, almost always going to flip over when Gavin Sheets is batting, just because I am invested in his development and watching him, and I think he just has a good approach, and I just like to watch that, you know, so I think if you can, like, go into a game, like, maybe not tying everything in your emotions to the win or the loss, I think it's a little more it's an easier way to like spread it out at least <laughs> spread out your fandom instead of this you know red hot point of heat <laughs> at the you know the win-loss record um it's like well are they having a good time you know did they try their hardest you know like it's my guy looking like he's uh, enjoying himself like that's important yeah yeah it's uh I, I, it's very I, honestly it, it might sound silly but it's really eye-opening to me to think about it like that like I I put so much into because I do it, Tommy. I do it with our Illini in basketball. I was able to do Absolutely. it the last couple of years. I mean, that Loyola loss was brutal, obviously, but like this season, it was more like, okay, they're 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 probably not winning at all. In fact, they're not going to win at all. I, I was accepting that. And when you realize, when you understand, like that one team gets it right, like only one team comes out on top, and that's the case in 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 all these sports. Um, that that idea of like, what is the end goal? If the end goal is a championship, then you're going to be disappointed every single season. You know, I remember thinking, and I've talked about this when like a couple of years, two years ago, three years ago, when I started podcasting about the White Sox and writing about them more. Um, like, I just think it's funny to think back about, you know, in the last, the, the 15, you know, 12, 15 years after the World Series, all I, I would, all I wanted when that, when, you know, October was started and they started showing the playoff, um, spots on Fox and on all this stuff. I was like, I just want to, I just want to make the playoffs. I just want the team I root for to make the playoffs. I want to, I felt like I was missing out. I just wanted to, you know, be able to watch a team in October. And, and then like, and I thought like, that's all I want. I'm not asking for anything else. And then you get that. And then it's like, all of a sudden that, that goes away so quickly. It's like, well, no, I mean, Hey, if you just want to make the playoffs, they're there. Right. Right. Um, that's changed, but that doesn't go away from the fact that kind of just reframing it to say, well, you know, last season still was in, in, you know, um, last season, the season before it were, were, there was a lot of fun moments, even as we talked about through this, through the rebuild, there was a lot of fun moments. Crystal, I like you bringing up, um, you know, a player like, like Yolmer, where, you know, th- that's, that's a guy who, who brought, you know, an energy to the clubhouse that, um, was valuable for fans that were checking in on a daily basis and wanted to watch a team that, you know, they weren't, they weren't talented as far as the personnel, but 
they played hard. You know, those teams played hard and, 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 and in some cases were, were maxing out the abilities that those players had. Um, so yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a great, that's a really good perspective on that. Maybe this is just a season where it's just the friends we made along the way. Like it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here with you fine gentlemen being miserable. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, my, my, this so far this year, like I've been enjoying my fellow White Sox fans and in our shared experience with the team more than the team itself. So I think there's something to that also community. Yeah. It's nice meeting people at the games, which Sam, you need to come to the June 20th game. I know at least two of the people in this zoom call are going to be there. Tommy, you can just come into town. It is the... I was planning on coming around uh, June anyway, so I can. Okay. Come June 20th. <laughs> it's the Colleen and Crystal birthday game. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be there. June 20th. 109. Sit in 109. All right. I'm very demanding. Yes. We have a bunch of seats in 109. There are going to be so many fun people there. I'm writing it down on the calendar. A little buffer can be nice. <laughs> uh, excellent. Just get yeah. drunk and not think about the White Sox performing poorly. <laughs> <in June. laughs> That's the other part of it. Is, is and 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 we'll we'll and and thank you all again for for hopping on this call and I and I think I'd like if we, you know we should we should check in throughout the year. Uh, this was very nice um, just to hang out with y'all. You know anyway, um, but it's almost like and and there's a and I acknowledge there's like a lot of privilege to what I'm about to say, but like the idea that like I've even got like going to baseball games, like the joy of going to a baseball game and everything that's good about that. It's like I go and it's like miserable. And again, I acknowledge like you know, it's it's like it's like because I'm not taking in any of the fact that any of the the just awesome things and the opportunity to go and, and experience and maybe sit in good seats or any seats and drink and eat and whatever. It's like, yeah, I I I've been drinking, I've been eating food that's delicious. It's an it's outside kind of, it's nice. I'm I'm watching a it's ultimately a sport I love to watch, all this stuff. And it's like no, fuck it. If they, if, you know, if, if there's an error or if, 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 um, you know, Liam Hendricks, um, you know, blows this save or blows the, the, or the game gets tied, whatever. And it's like that, I can't let that, uh, ruin, you know, the experience of whether it's you're at a game or you're watching a game or whatever. It's like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna take it in, you know, then if you're gonna, if you're gonna put that investment into it, then it, you have to, you have, you can't, Adrian, like you're saying, you can't just take it on the winner loss as, 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 yeah. as it was worth it. I think you at least have to be going to the ballpark, understanding that there's chance that they could lose. Like you can't show <laughs> well, yeah. up expecting a win because like, it's just not going to go well for you. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you got to keep, you know, look around, see what's going on, you know, do some people watching, have a good time, make some friends. But that's I don't know. It might be ruined for me when I fly out to Boston next weekend and they like completely choke. I'll be pretty pissed. <laughs> I'm sitting in the historical ballpark watching Finland my socks so just though. implode in front of me. What if you just show up in Boston and then the goose is there? They just like bought it, <laughs> put it up on the wall. So I'm, I'm going to Salem the day before, so I might just like work on some like hexing. There you go. Yeah, maybe like yeah. that might work. I I I'm, I would I get behind that. See, you know, even if it's one of the even if you work on something and it has like a negative, 
you know, ultimately a, a, a negative impact. I think it's worth the risk. Worth a shot. <laughs> right, uh, I'll do that. I'll work on something the day before. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's cause it is, you know, but you, that, that's the thing though. It's like, you'd think that I would be okay with losing. Like I'm a, I'm a White Sox fan. I'm a Bears fan, a Bulls fan and an Illinois sports fan. It's like, <laughs> that's a lot of pain. It's just a lot of pain. It's just a lot of, and it's pain in like, in like, Hard, like, ch- like very, like unique and creative ways. Um, but this was really helpful. Uh, this, I, gen- like, genuinely, like, I, I, I considered. I was thinking a lot about this stuff, and I considered doing like a solo um, pod. And then I was like, uh, "That's not going to be good for anybody." And so I want to bring my bring my pals in. Um, that would have been so sad. <laughs> I would have listened, but that would have been so no. sad. It was going to be really, really bad. And I was on the, I was driving to work this morning and I like, and I, and I was like, how would I open up a solo podcast about this topic? And I started to like, I literally started to talk and I got like, I got like eight sentences in and, or excuse me, eight words in. And I was like, oh no, 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 we're not doing this. This is really just, it's just, uh, it's, it's four words and then 40 minutes of crying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah no like my dad my dad called me today he's like he's like are you okay and I'm like yeah why and he's just like I don't know like you we had a conversation yesterday and like you know and you were talking about some like really dark things about just like your fandom all this stuff but he's like are you good like outside and I'm like yeah no I'm I'm fine and he's just like all right and 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 of course like my dad's the diehard fan that like the only reason I'm a Sox fan so it's like come on <laughs> But to be fair, he he warned me. He told me he told me uh, in 2005 after they won the World Series, and I'll just close on this. He said he was like enjoy. The, he was really really um, he really really made sure to tell me like enjoy this run and then ultimately the win because he's like this this may not happen again. Like there's a very very good chance or there's a there's a legit chance that like this will be the like you may not have never gotten a world series. You, you get one, it, you know, maybe here. And then it happened. And I remember at the time I was just like, I was like, okay, dad, like they just won the world series. Like they, they, the roster's coming back and I was like, they've got everyone coming back. And, you know, even now, and then we go through that time. And even now they've got the, the, the team to do it or, or the roster to do it. And we're seeing how, you know, it's not that easy. Um, and then the other thing he told me is that he warned me like a long time ago to never get, um, he goes, I know it's going to be tempting at times, but never trust Jerry Reinsdorf owned teams. And he told me, I no, like seriously. And I know like now it sounds so like obvious, but he told me that like my dad's never liked, like even during the bulls run, my dad was so cynical about Reinsdorf. Cause he's like, okay, oh, yeah. you got, you know, Michael Jordan, like, you know, is this like, and, or like, you know, Jerry Krause, whatever the whole team. And it's just like, and he, he just said, he's like Jerry Reinsdorf, he, he, um, needs to, he loves to, to make, he likes to let you know that he, the way that he did it is the way that worked. And if it doesn't work, he's going to do whatever he can to, to, to make it work despite it never work, you know, that kind of thing. And, and he just said, he goes, don't put, you know, don't put too much emotion into the Rise of phone teams. And it's like, ultimately, you know, you could say, is it the roster? Is it Tony? Is it Rick? Is it Kenny? Is it whatever? And it's like, well, Somebody put all these people into this, into this spot. So, um, but you know what though? It's going to be fine one way or the other. 
I, I do think ultimately we're going to have some good times. Uh, I know that we're going to have some good times this, this season. Um, but it's, it's not just about the, 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 the good times. Uh, Crystal, I think you said it's the friends we make along the way and, and, and so you much. Know, more. It could be worse. We could all still be rooting for the Blackhawks. Oh, that's <laughs> really the point of this podcast is that it's not about enjoying the ride. It's about enjoying the rides, plural, <laughs> more than one ride. Enjoy, enjoy the rides. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of takeaways here. Um, well, uh, thank you so much. All thank you all so much again. Um, uh, Crystal, Adrian, Tommy, uh, Zach, thank you so much again for, for coming on and, and taking the time, um, to chat. Um, like I said, I did this really, uh, really cause I wanted to just talk about the way I've been feeling and, and this was really helpful. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, let's, let's do this again soon. Always happy to hop on. (laughs) Thanks. Yes, let's.